Welcome to another episode of the Ska Dads podcast. Uh, this is Bobby Bobson here. Um, I'm just doing this intro. He's a little like behind the curtain talk uh, of the show. Uh, we we kind of do all of our uh, shows on on Zoom where we you know play music, um, you know uh, connect with each other. Uh, Ryan and AJ dial in to the show, and our Moon Scott episode was over three hours long. So instead of doing one really long episode, we just split this up into two episodes. Um, but I thank you guys for tuning in and all the great support we've gotten from the show. Uh, it really means a lot to us. Uh, we really enjoy doing this and we would love to hear some feedback and ideas about upcoming episodes. Uh, we'll probably announce our next topic uh, on our Instagram page. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we kind of post some fun stuff on there try to share some uh, playlists that we make on Spotify as well. Um, If you want to uh, follow us on Instagram, it is Scott dad's podcast. So search that up. You should see a picture that we use on our anchor and Spotify pages and uh, just go ahead and give us a follow. Uh, Send us a message if you'd like. Uh, But anyway, this episode, we're going to pick and go through some moon Scott classics. Uh, We'll be playing some clip audio um clips from from some of those albums uh we hope you enjoy this episode we had so much fun putting together this little episode on uh moon sky records uh yeah so here it is I guess the purpose of the show too was we we picked 10 album a 10 albums to really dig into for moon Scott that kind of captures and i you know I, I don't think this list is by any means like these are the best releases of moon Scott. I, I don't think we were going for that not at all um like especially with the songs or not just the songs but the uh, the bands i picked it's i went more of a nostalgic route not so much. I think these bands were inspiring or were better than others. These um, records were just records I just picked that, uh, you know, just had a kind of like special moment and part of my life that uh, kind of set the tone for uh, like other records that I would get into. Okay. Exactly. Well, like I, I kind of did like one of each of like my favorite kind of subgenres where, you know, you had like your soul kind of ska, your ska punk. And then you're just like, the third one's kind of a a local, close to my heart kind of thing. All right. So which one do you guys, which one do you guys want to go first? So when I was, I guess, you know, you you mentioned like, you know, pick three albums. That was kind of hard for me to do. I didn't listen to a lot of uh, Moonscott records. And I think we all did, which actually kind of made it like a fun week. But I kept going back to some of the same records and uh, one, one that was kind of standing out was the Alstonians go you. Uh, they were formed in 1991. The record uh, came out in 1994. And the reason why I kind of picked them was just for whatever reason, I couldn't find the record. I heard one song online and we'll, we're going to play it. And I just kept playing it over and over and over again. And so one day I went out to uh, Record Tape Traders, if anybody remembers them, and uh, I had a special order it. And 
that CD just sat in my car and I just, I just listened to it like almost every single day. And they are definitely not one of my favorite bands of all time, but they just um, essentially, they kind of remind me of your standard American traditional ska band. Uh, they, they didn't try to sound Jamaican. They just, they sound like any ska band that you could have in any town in the USA. And they kind of just opened up the doors for other bands for me to kind of check out. And so they, they just kind of have like a little special place for me in regards. Yeah, and they were, they were big in, I mean, like they were a Boston-based band, but they, they toured all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I remember, this is kind of corny, but I was like watching like, Real World back in the 90s. And I just remember like hearing them in the background. And I was like, oh shit, that's awesome. You know, because they're just, in my opinion, they're not right, a so, band. So, they were just regular dudes that were able to uh, get a, get together like a semi-successful ska band. So, so this album is called "The Alstonians Go You." And and what song do you want to play off of this first? Uh, yeah, let's pick the one. This is the first song I've heard from them. Uh, Feeling fine. my introduction to the Alstonians and then after that I just started picking up uh, their other record and I believe they I think they only released maybe two records and one EP if I recall yeah yeah I think it had I mean they, they were on a lot of the compilations that Moon had and um, yeah you know like they had other tracks I'm sure um, but yeah yeah I mean they, they, they played they were active for Easily over, I would say maybe 10, 15, over 15 years, I would imagine, in one form or the other. Yeah, I mean, they're still active. I believe they still play shows. I don't think they leave the area too often, but I know they kind of, every once in a while, their name pops up and uh, they'll have a show. Maybe they play like a few times a year, uh, which I think is kind of cool. You know, that definitely just says they just love playing their music. Yeah, and I think too they probably had a big influence on like the Boston ska scene too, and, and the reggae. You know, like I, I just feel like they were a band that a lot of the bands that are in Boston uh, probably are still influenced to this day. You know, like 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 they, they were they were probably a lot of bands like Westbound Train. Um, um, I mean, the only other band in Boston that was probably around before them was Bim Scala Bim. Um, which which they were they were delved a little more into reggae. The Alstonians were definitely like the most authentic uh, ska band I think from from the area. Yeah, I just remember not hearing too much about them. I, I just remember the Alstonians playing in DC once, and I saw them uh, maybe twice. No, I saw, 
I'm sorry. I actually saw the Austonians back up Laurel Aiken at Fantas, and then I, I saw them like eight years later at like the corner kick or something. Yeah, I think that's the only time I ever saw them was at the corner kick. Yeah. And um, I know I know it's probably like five years, maybe more than that, five or eight years ago. But um, they had a show, and I was like, man, it's only like three hours away. It's been a long time. Love to go check them out again. But uh, obviously, it didn't go to it. Yeah, I think a lot of the Moonscott bands have gotten back together and done little things here and there, uh, like Johnny Two Band, the Strikeouts. Um, so, and you know, some of the other uh, smaller uh, Moonscott bands too have also. Well, you have another track too. What, what about the other tracks in this album? Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the second track was. Uh, I guess it's called like Junior G Man. And the cool thing about this album, it's one of those albums too, you can find on Spotify. Um, all their stuff's up there on Spotify for anyone to check out. Yeah, it has everything. But yeah, that, that track is awesome. It's just yeah. it's bass, it's horn heavy, and um, it just puts me in a good mood. Good mood. Yeah, I forgot how many awesome instrumentals too the Alstonians had. Like they were one of those bands, they, you know, the, like the songs that's like the vocals and stuff, they're, they're good and, you know, at times like soulful and and a little bit different from a lot of the other third wave ska bands, but their instrumentals are like, you know, balls to the wall kind of thing. Yeah. And I always kind of felt like they never really took themselves too seriously. Uh, yeah. I mean, they weren't a joke band by any means, but uh, they just, they always gave me that impression. They just weren't really like just full of themselves. They were just doing it just for the fun. And uh, I just feel like that kind of just goes through. You can hear it in the music itself. Yeah, yeah. Most of their songs too. They they had a lot of songs about drinking and a lot of songs about just like having fun and like their youth, which is kind of like a th- all familiar themes for like ska bands. Yeah, and I think you probably notice that with like a lot of tracks I pick for the uh, podcast. Uh, you know, it's just none of them, like none of the bands really took themselves too serious, and uh, they're just doing it just for the fun of the music and for the scene itself. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to another album. What uh, are you ready, AJ? You want to pick one of your albums? Sure. So one of the ones that I, I picked um, is an album by the Adjusters. The Adjusters were this band from Chicago that formed in the mid '90s, and they weren't kind of your classic ska band, your classic reggae band. They had more of a soul base, and then had the ska reggae kind of put on top of that. And then not only that, they had a little bit of a jazz influence. They had a little bit of a 
a kind of rock and roll influence, they had a little bit of a mod influence, and even maybe a little bit of surf. They have a couple of songs that have like the, those surf guitars in it. And um, for me, they just kind of hit a lot of weird little pieces for me of stuff that I liked at the time. And uh, so the album that I picked is uh, Before the Revolution. Uh, came out on Moon in, I think, 98. It was re-released a couple of times on different labels. But it's their only uh, album on Moon. They had one on Jump Up. I think they had another one on Grover later on uh, at the end of their career. But <clears throat> I love like, that weird mixture of all those genres. And then also, the other big thing I've always caught up the adjusters is they were very political and not just like subtle about it, in your face about it. They were very leftist. I don't, I don't know if I want to go socialist or so far that, that, that far left, but they were very political. They were very into like people power. And um, did, they, they, did they call themselves a socialist band? They, they, they did occasionally. And I, 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 I kind of don't like to throw out political terms like that, even though they've said it on, on a few occasions. So yeah. yes, maybe, but I'm going to leave it to say they were very leftist or left-leaning. And um, this had like a really unique sound during that period when I was getting into ska and that that late or mid nineties late eight or mid nineties late nineties kind of era and just yeah. that album had so many like, different types of songs. There was like a surf song, there was a, a soul heavy song, there was a ska heavy song. And I think like one of my favorite tracks on that, I think we'll play that soon, is uh, Armstrong, and it's it's just this catchy kind of ska reggae piece with like the soul undertones to it and it just it just gets to me yeah i don't think there's quite another band like them they just have that energy so let's play armstrong So many different layers, different types, like the harmonies, the backup vocals they have just really got to me. And like, again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, this album was produced by Victor Rice in like his, his moon sky heyday. It just, the production value is just so good for it. Yeah. It is funny. Their, their debut album too. It was, it was good, but this album like blows it out of the water. And another mm -hmm. thing, another thing too, they, they the organ, I, I think he's the organ player, Matt Parker. That played that played on all their albums. He was like a founding member, I believe. Um, he he was, I think he was in that band Donkey Show. And he yeah. after the band after the band broke up, they all kind of dispersed out of Chicago. And he ended up, excuse me, he ended up in a lot of bands uh, in California too. And 
I, like some of those like really early like pre-Agrolytes bands, I want to say. And, and yeah, and he, projects was, in California. he was actually on Dirty Reggae. Yeah. Yeah, and then, he, and then oh, go ahead. Oh no, I think, he, and he's, he's still played on some other like recent releases too out there. I think he plays in a couple bands out there still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one, one of the other kind of like really cool, interesting facts that I found out about it from a friend, Andy, recently. Uh, we were to actually talking about this band just randomly a while back. And he was telling me, so the, the lead singer of the band, uh, Duraka, actually, after he left the band, got into politics and kind of left his politics. So he was kind of an organizer and he moved out to California and he was the head of like the Democratic Party in like Santa Clarita or San, San Barbara, some small place out there. And then actually two years ago or around or give or take, he actually got voted to the number two most important position in the Democratic Party in the state of California. So he's like the vice chairman of all the California Democrats. So he's a very, very strong political influence. And it's just like, not to, not to diminish people that play ska, but it's like, cool, you played in a ska band and now look how far you've come and you're the vice chairman of the California Democratic Party. And he's very in, involved with like local politics and state politics now. And it's, it's a really cool thing to see, like this guy whose music I really like is now this famous political dude. Also, also I remember like the liner notes in this album um, being written by like some politician or political writer named like John Langford. And I think he was, he was really like a political writer. So they even mm-hmm. had, like they took it to like that step, even having, and all their songs too, definitely had specific social issues that they were often addressing that they often explained like in the liner notes of the album. Yeah. Like they have a song called people make the world go round. It's about how the rights of the people are more important than anything. They've got a song called the fight back, which is literally against, it's, it's just this four minute song about fighting against the man. And yeah, it, I think the, 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 the one song that people make the world go round too is a, is a class. It's a studio one song they covered, yeah. I think. So they always had a lot of covers. Like there were song like Wilson Pickett songs, and like classic, like I like I, they did. Uh, what was that Bob Marley and the Whaler song they did? Uh, Rebel Jam too. They yeah. like a lot of that stuff too. Like the really rootsy reggae. Um, let's play another track. What's what's another track you want to play off this? So I, I was debating on what would be my second track on this, and I was throwing it up between Loose Roots, which is the the slower, more melodic thing, and then number three just got to me. I was just re-listening to it again and just. It's got this this beat that makes me want to move. I'll be number two. If it means a chance with you. But baby, can't you see? I just can't be number three. Why can't you, why can't you see?
And we could listen to this whole album. It's so freaking good. And the cool mm-hmm. thing too, I, I always like the, the male, like in the in this in a ska band, like that male and female like dynamic of dual exactly. Vocals. Like just, I, I love his voice because it's both soulful and kind of has a little bit of a high pitch, but has like that gritty undertone to it, where you're getting like two different octaves, and it, I, it just, it, it's, I love it. Yeah, I think I think those two albums we picked some good opening albums. Um, so I guess I guess I'll jump into mine. Um, I'm going all the way back to 1991, and I think this album uh, by by a band from uh, Long Island called the Scofflaws. Just to me, like I, I think I picked this album because freaking loved it. But just the Scofflaws are just one of those bands. Like people are still buzzing about the Scofflaws, and so much of their music is like out of print. And like I, I was lucky to still have some some of their music. Um, I, I think I have all their albums on Moon and some some of the records as well, like some of the forty fives. Um, but their stuff, you know, it, it, they are responsible for so many bands being um, bands now. And just the people in the Scofflaws um, went on to do some big things, like like um, of course the lead singer, uh, sax player Sammy Brooks. But Buford Sullivan, he's been he's played with half of the bands on Moon Ska. Like he he was just so like impactful yeah, uh, well, in the Ska scene. All the members are still playing for the fans. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, um, Victor Rice, of course, we've already talked about, was the bass player on this album. Um, and and just even even um, some of the other horn players like Mike Drance went on to form one of my favorite bands on Moon Ska. I don't know why I didn't pick any of their albums. But but the Blue Beats, who are just a freaking amazing band, and the way the way Mike sings, he doesn't sing much in the Scofflaws, like. Um, but but the Blue Beats are man. If we do another episode of Moon Sky, I think we have to feature the Blue Beats because they're like amazing. <laughs> like for me, they're one of those like if you had to like call out like some of the most important New York bands. They're yeah. up there in the top. Yeah, five. I think they're number. I think they're number two. Like, of course, the Toasters. Um, but I definitely think the Scofflaws are number two. And and the cool thing is, um, Chuck Wren is actually issuing this album on vinyl in June of this year. So there will be opportunities to get this album if you don't have it in your collection on vinyl um, in a couple months. Shout out to Chuck Wren. Jump Up Records always doing good stuff these days. All right, so I'm going to pick the Rude Boy anthem. This is. Scofflaws, like, you know, to me, they have tons of anthems and tons of memorable songs, but this is uh, a track called Paul Getty. My name ain't Paul Getty, I've been living on spaghetti, potatoes, rice and beans, I'm a Rudy, not a skin, I die tell I drink gin, I live my life to extremes, I got everything I need. Black suit and a bag of weed I got a pork pie hat A smile like the Cheshire cat My landlord wants to evict me He wants to just to convict me Just because I live my life the way I do It's a total culture shock I'm the only rude boy on the block Got any ganja? Rasta mine My boss said take a sabbatical He said boy you're just too radical Now I gotta go out and find another job Again I'm gonna go down to the unemployment office. I gotta stake my claim. Gonna go there on Monday. Gonna sign my name. 
Anyway, the, the Scofflaws are just like one of those bands that just are memorable. And I, I saw them live many times and hearing them play these songs live. And, and they're still active today. Um, I, I was supposed to DJ a show with them this year in D.C. that got pushed back. Or, or I'm sorry, it was last year. And it got rescheduled this year. And I don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen this summer. So hopefully it happens sometime in the in the immediate future uh, when shows are back in full swing, um, to, uh, because it would be amazing to see them again, because I, I literally probably have not seen the Scofflaws in over 20, 20 some years. Who's still in the lineup these days? Do you know? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much um, just Sammy uh, Brooks. He has like a revolving door. Yeah, like, I was say, that's coming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. If I was going to do the Scott Plus, that was the song I was going to pick as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I used to just come home from work and man, just blast that song on the radio. Yeah, and I think too, like like we talk about bands like the Alstonians, um, the 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 Scott Flaws had like out of all the bands on Moon Scott, they had a pretty high profile. Like they had opportunities. They they did some. They did a lot of touring, and that was the cool thing about Moon Scott. They they really helped the bands sell their albums um and and that was one of the opportunities especially at in that point of the 90s um they had these big tours like the the scavuvi tour and just other things they were always involved in that that helped push the music forward and it gave bands like the scofflaws it opened up like like really if it wasn't for moon i don't i don't know if the scofflaws um they were a great band but who knows if they would have had that opportunity to be heard in California or to be heard in Europe if it wasn't for Moonscott. I think like that's, that's going to be like that ongoing theme we come back to in the episode today. It's just like Moonscott was an awesome support and it helped bands like from the slackers to the scoffballs to the toasters. Like, like, like the label was created for ska bands by a ska band, you know, like doesn't get much, uh, you, you know, like it, it just goes to show us like, with a little bit of marketing and a little bit of support, um, the music will sell itself, you know? And a little bit of timing. And timing. Yeah, all that stuff. All right. Uh, the other thing, let's play an instrumental by the Scofflaws because that was the other thing. Like, they're a fucking great live band and fucking the way they play instrumentals, solos, uh, when they really step it up, um, it's really amazing. So this is another, uh, another song from the self-titled album, Scala Cart by the Scofflaws.
a lot of energy and seeing it live is probably even better than, than, than the album does justice. Uh, oh yeah. That's, that's just like a party song right there. Yeah. And I, I love the way like the Scott Floss just used the baritone sax as well. Yeah. And I believe, I believe, was it Mike that played the baritone? I'm pretty sure it was Mike uh, Trance, the guy from the, that went onto the blue beats that played the berry on this. Okay. I mean, you probably know more than I would. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, the other thing about this show tonight, we not only are featuring, you know, our picks, we actually, um, I was able to sit and um, chat with two members, two founding members of this band out of Detroit called The Articles. Uh, what, what are your guys' thoughts about the band? Um, do you guys have any, um, what do you guys think about The Articles? Oh, I love them. Uh, I, th- I thought, uh, was it Flip Reel? Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's an awesome record. That's something I still pull out every once in a while. Uh, just high energy, horn heavy. It definitely mixed like, you know, they were the, I guess before ska jazz was like a ska jazz thing. Uh, they're really one of the kind of those bands that really kind of showcased it. And uh, yeah. through the music, you really hear like jazz influence. Yeah. Them. I can't really add much to that. That's kind of exactly what I was going to say. It's like they were one of the first like of that, that, that fusion that, that I heard that I love. Yeah, because right. obviously, you know, there's a lot of jazz and ska to begin with, but they kind of just uh, pushed that envelope of just mixing kind of like jazz standards with ska music. And yeah, and they had like songs by like Thelonious Monk and, you know, they they did. Like they were they were that jazz standard band. But let's, let's hear from um, um, the articles about how they got affiliated with Moon Scott. If, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and just uh, talk a little bit about the history of, of the articles? Sure. Um, well, I mean, Dan, I, my, my name is uh, Mike Rafus. I'm a, a founding member. Um, I think that Dan is a, a founding or founding member. Um, he and I were roommates, and uh, he had responded to an ad in the uh, Detroit Metro Times, I believe, um, that hooked him up with Paul and Derek Phelps, uh, who were the brothers and... Uh, a key songwriting duo um, of the articles incarnation that you will experience on Flip For Real. I am uh, Dan Margulis, drummer. Uh, I thought I was responding to a back page ad, and next thing you know, we're on Moon Records. So, you know. <laughs> you know, in, in some ways, kind of the same thing. <laughs> well, well, if you guys want to maybe talk about um, who approached you from um, – Moon Records. How did how did you guys get involved with the label? Um, did the band just form and suddenly an album popped up? Uh, was was there forethought into it? Or you know, obviously they were you know between the toasters and everything we were listening to at the time from New York Scott Jazz Ensemble to you know Scofflaws Skinnerbox. I was a huge Skinnerbox Skavuvi, um, anything with an S. And of course, obviously the toasters were um, you know fundamental to. I think our sound a little bit. And so moon was the dream. And, and also at the time, I mean, there was, uh, there was moon, there was Hellcat, there was jump up in terms of the big indies. Um, our first, uh, our first, our seven inch was on Dashiki clout, which Dave Kirch Gessner of mustard plug put out. Um, but, uh, you know, for any band playing the kind of music we were playing, moon was the dream. Um, as far as specifics, 
uh, Rafus has a far better memory than I do. So, <laughs> yeah, it was so, um, you know, the articles uh, came really kind of uh, coalesced in uh, 1995. And um, that's when we first started to come together. And then the, the, the lineup that you would hear on Flip for Real um, had been together for probably about a year. And um, you know, Dan had mentioned jump up. Um, we, um, got, um, a couple, um, big breaks along the way. One was the Dave Kirchner being so gracious to put out, um, a very strange seven inch record. Um, it was, uh, it was all instrumental, um, as one could expect. Um, but, but we did this really faithful, um, uh, interpretation of a Spike Jones tune on there, which was based on the, the old Russian folk song, Dark, Russian folk song, Dark Eyes. Um, and, but the, on the other side had this like really Russian theme song and like this really Latin, Latin theme song. So we really kind of came out of a hard left field. Um, and, uh, uh, Chuck Wren, Jump Up Records, uh, his American Gothic three compilation, I think it was three. Um, uh, our song Tijuana Toad was on that. Um, and we, um, had done a, uh, live appearance on WDET, um, the, um, public radio affiliate in Detroit and performed a bunch of songs and they all the recordings came out really good and we um had sent um recording of a song that was re-recorded flip for real called starsky um we sent that to moon and they jumped on it and put that on um i think it was skarmageddon 2 i'm getting these volume numbers wrong but uh that found its way onto a moon compilation um so they had been really growing very fast. Uh, you, if you move ahead, move ahead to like 1996, 1997, Scott is really, really building. And there was, many people might not remember it now, but there was a little kind of subsidiary label called Scott Satellite Records that Moon was uh, just launching. And um, they had approached us to be on Scott Satellite. And we, you know, in a uncharacteristically bold move, um, held out. And um, then they offered us the full... Um, for what it was worth, um, moon release. Um, yeah, that's so. inter- that's interesting because a lot of the the Scott satellite. The caveat to that was like smaller distribution, right, or smaller pressings. Um, yeah, and it was like the packaging was limited, and it was, and I, yeah, I think that was it was an interesting uh, model <laughs> to like cast a wide net, sort of a not really go big in unproven bands, and we were, you know, not a proven band, but you know, we the, thought that we were something the thing that we investing in. Yeah, the thing that we told Rob was, listen, if we're plenty um, capable of limited distribution on our own, you don't yeah. have to worry about that. I mean, the audience is very limitedly distributed yeah. through the room when we play. You it's, it's a yeah, you don't have to confine us to a smaller label if you're just yeah. looking for limited yeah. distribution. We will achieve that well, <laughs> through yeah. our weird blend of, of genres. Can I can I ask a follow up question to that too? Is like so so the album that Flip for Real is produced by Victor Rice. Did Moon mm-hmm. help you get in touch with Victor, or did you guys already have that connection before? Um, we reached out to him, um, and I can't remember if there was a mediary. I know that we had reached out to him, like on our own, and that I believe was probably you know, enough of a, a nod, you know, for Vic to say, "Yeah, I want to reproduce these guys." Um, I think that that might have been good enough for Moon. Um, It certainly didn't hurt.
think too, like listening to this album, it's almost like the ska jazz thing is so popular now. It's like its own like sub genre. Oh, um, yeah. You know, like if this album was released today in 2020 people would, or 2021, people would be losing their shit. They'd be like this, check this band out. And, and the articles album, I, I mean, I'm sure it sold well. They were a popular band. Um, I remember hearing about them. I, I never got the chance to see them. Um, I think they only played this area maybe a handful of times, unfortunately. Yeah, cause I, I, th- I think the articles, I think they're great. I actually, I still listen to them, but an all instrumental ska jazz album, I think is kind of a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Just because I, th- I think like to pop the record in, you, I feel like you have to be like in a certain mood or you kind of have to get the musicianship that they're doing. Um, because you know they're not like a party band when you see them live you, they don't have like the sing-along songs that you can um really enjoy at a show and yeah. so you kind of have to take them at like a different angle and uh yeah i mean you, you just mentioned how like you know scott jazz is kind of like its own thing now and people would flip their minds hearing that record and i mean i think they're, they're putting out a re-release or a new album yeah we're gonna have that later in the show uh, okay. about the about the new release um i don't know let's let's hear a little bit more about flip for real and like um how it became um how it became an album and there are other like some of the doors that opened by being on moon were some of the positives what opportunities and doors did did this album being released on moon give you guys and, and how did it help build your audience um you know credibility certainly from being on moon sky anybody who knew Scott at all um, would would have come across Moon. Um, it's it's such a that logo pops up in really strange places. There's a, a scene in um, uh, High Fidelity where um, I think um, I, Catherine Zeta Jones is 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 sexily wearing a Moon Scott T-shirt. You know, um, so it was just sort of like uh, it just you know Moon credibility uh, distribution for sure. Um, relationships with other, other bands in the label. Um, we were put on uh, the Moonstomp tour in 1997, um, just right after the record came out um, with, uh, was it Magadog and um, Isaac Green and the Scholars? Yeah, I think a lot of those, yeah, that was a nice tour package. I, I remember some of that. I was kind of, uh, I was, I, I used a lot of the Moon records were my entryway into like mm-hmm. learning about like ska and stuff. I found it a little bit before, but for me, Moon was like, it opened up all these doors because I had albums from like you guys, Scavuvi, Scofflaws, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I didn't. I don't remember you guys really passing through like the DC area much. Um, I, you guys may have played there once or twice, but I never had the opportunity to see you. But a, a lot of those th- that was the best thing about Moon. We had a venue or two in DC. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a showcase for all the right. bands um, in like '97 to 2000. Yeah, we played yeah, a record I mean, store that was a, um, right outside of DC. On that yeah, that, those were those were strange years because we were um, in our own circles, loosely lumped in with um, kind of the swinger scene. I think it had more to do with our suits and our shiny objects up front than than anything else. Um, And, you know, a lot of our friends were getting signed to majors uh, at the time because of that. And for us, um, Moon seemed really right because um, 
we fit in and we didn't fit in. Right. And, um, and so first I, I think there's, there's the tangibles that being on moon for us, um, fulfilled distribution and awareness. But, um, I think it also, uh, gave us the confidence that somehow what we were doing was recognized by the people who we were really making the music for, even though it wasn't consistent with that music. Mm -hmm. I, I know that sounds strange, but um, we deeply loved the scene and the music. Um, we weren't always faithful to it because we had a lot of influences, but primarily we were making music for those people that influenced us and being associated with them was really uh, good for us. Right. It, it, um, it showed that we sort of fit in with people that were both our heroes, but also, um, you know, um, musicians that we just kind of seem to have a kinship with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like I, you guys had mentioned earlier, the Scott jazz ensemble, they were, I guess they were the closest thing like the, uh, at that time that was what you guys were doing slightly, but I mean, you guys both did jazz standards, but the, both bands definitely had a different sound to them. You know, like you guys um, definitely, I, I, I would say we're more like jazz traditionalists. I don't, I don't know. I, how would you guys compare or contrast yourselves with, with the Scott jazz ensemble? Say yeah. They were better musicians. I was going to say they're better musicians. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the comparison, the comparison, and one of the, the things that makes Moon interesting is it forced people to compare us, but we never did that ourselves. We never set out to sound like anything. Um, I think if there's any secret or magic to what we did, it was it was six or seven or eight people that had a lot of um, firm musical beliefs and a lot of interest in learning different things and a weird democracy that allowed all of those influences to show up in the practice room and whatever came out was not in any way influenced by any desire to sound like anything, mm -hmm. but those, what was in that room. So, but it's nice that people compare us to stuff, but it's hard for us to do it because we weren't in any way pivoting off of anything, you know? Was a, a song called Sketches um, Zachis from Flippin' Real. That was actually um, when I was talking to Dan and Mike. Um, Dan actually, that was one of his favorite songs from the album because it was just like this jazz poem um, 
just something a little bit different. And, and like the articles were kind of a different band. Like they didn't necessarily fit that model of a standard ska band on Moon Records, which is why I think it was important that we kind of focused a little bit on this album too, because that was the cool thing about Moon. Not everything was pick it up, pick it up ska, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. And when you put the articles on, they stand out. You, you know, you listen to the articles. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you know you listen to like a lot of the Moon ska bands, you know, you, you easily swap one song out for another song, and you can almost not tell which band is doing it sometimes. But uh, when, you, when you put the articles on. It's, they have they had their own sound definitely yeah yeah and, and like I, I like i was trying to say too like like the new york ska jazz ensemble they sounded different to me than new york ska jazz ensemble like new york ska jazz had like these top musicians playing with them members of the scatolites playing with them it was like it was like ska royalty a little bit but the articles yeah. were doing something a little bit different like like i i, I definitely felt like they stood apart yeah, because I, th- I think with the articles, it's just th- their arrangements, um, especially with, like just with their um, with the, with the rhythms and the beats, and just um, how they yeah, they, they were experimenting. Yeah, I think they experimented yeah. a lot. I think I think like if you, you hear that, and I think um, in some other parts of the interview too, they were just mentioning like they didn't really know how to play ska. Like like this is kind of like they got this band together and started playing out for a year then they ended up recording this album and they ended up learning like more of the the roots by like playing like with like the scatolites and watching lloyd nibs and and tommy mccook all those guys really like helped shape them and influence them and and we're going to talk about their new release at the end of the show which is going to be available in just a couple weeks in may on Bandcamp, and also to mention jump up Chuck from Jump Up is putting out a cassette tape of this album as, as well that's going to be available sometime this summer. And it's called Action Claw, Action Claw vs. Gorilla Grip is the name of the new articles album. They have a Bandcamp page and they just rebooted all their social media pages. So you can find the articles from Detroit on um, you know, your Facebook, Instagram stuff. And um, I'm sure you'll be hearing a little bit from them. Um yeah, so so I'm looking forward to um, hearing this full album from them. And, no, that's awesome. I'm super yeah. excited about them. Like, I'm super excited that they're coming back. It's uh, you know, they disappeared. It's it's, it's kind of nice to see their name popping up again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on. We have a few more albums to get through. Um, why don't Ryan? Why don't you go next? What's what's your second album you're gonna pick? Uh, the second album is um, you know. Actually, the articles I mentioned them on their tour, but uh, Isaac Dreen and Scholars, they were from uh, St. Louis. And I believe, well, I, I know for a fact, I, I'm not sure what exact year, but uh, they kind of started out in the mid to early 90s. And the album is uh, Schooling with the Scholars. And, uh, you know, actually, Bob and I were talking about this the other day when we were picking our songs. And uh, you asked me how come I didn't pick high school. High school is probably not just for me, but for a lot of other people, you, you know, either the song that they heard the first by them, uh, they had an MTV music video on it. And I just felt like anyone that knows that band already is already going to know that song. And so I kind of wanted to pick two other songs that I feel were just, if not the same, but better. And uh, the first one is I Love You. All right. 
by the scholars. Isaac Green and the scholars. I love you. song man good pick and and like this album too yeah school in um wasn't it it was reissued by the band and chuck uh at jump up um i want to say maybe like a year ago and he he yeah on on vinyl yeah i I think you're right on that but um isaac during the scholars they just been that band that just They've all like I've always had like one of the records around me somewhere. Uh, I just never really get tired of them. They kind of mix, you know, ska, rock, say reggae, and like a little bit of rock in their sound. And I think the record uh, schooling, uh, blah, 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 uh, schooling with the scholars is just a just a fun track. I mean, fun record. The record itself. It's kind of all all over the place. Some of the songs are like super fast. Then they do a lot of like slower songs. Uh, there's some covers, and uh, you, you know, there's not like a real flow to it. But each track just kind of stands out. And Jessica Butler, her voice, I think is just amazing. Yeah. Why do you know anything about their name? Like, I, I know, I know, Isaac Green was like a person. Like, I forgot what what role did he have in the band? Do you remember? Oh, that, that's like a little softball question right there. But uh, yeah, so he was the manager. (laughs) And he was also this, uh, I I know he sang on some some of the songs, but eventually he kind of like retired and just, he just became like the manager of the band. And when I first got into Isaac Green and Scholars, I thought he was actually one of the main singers for the most part besides uh, Jessica. But um, I I don't know his name, but I think it was a trombone player. Uh, he sang a lot of the, the main vocals in, uh, for the record itself. Yeah, I thought I thought that was cool. That little you know thing about them because I, I know at one point too, I want to say they took the they take the Isaac Green part out of their name. They were just the Scholars. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I think there, there was another band called the Scholars. That's true. Yes. Yeah, or band. I, I like. Uh, okay. God, I would have to look that up. I kind of forgot all about that, but uh, yeah, I think there was some issue, huh? Yeah, I think some point they took the Isaac Green part out when he left. But then I think when they reunited a few years ago, he was back in it. Yeah, it was like a flip back and forth of the names. Yeah, but they re- they released another album on Moon too. They had a follow up um, 
on Moon as well. Um, a few years out for the sum. Change up. Yep. Yeah, I think that's that's another great album. Uh, probably, it's kind of interesting. Like both albums are like two completely different from each other. Uh, uh, the reason why I picked this one is it's because it has that third wave sound to it. Uh, they have the soul, and uh, they kind of just dabble kind of all over the place. So when I say like there was no real flow to the album, it's just because each song is just like its own thing. It doesn't really blend into like like into the next song. And uh, you'll hear that like, like in the next song I picked, which is, uh, I believe it's called uh, City. Yeah, let's play it. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're a band that doesn't get credit for like the variety of stuff they do. No, no, I, I think that term variety is probably a good way to kind of uh, label this album. It's just, uh, it, it's just kind of just all over the place, but like in an awesome, good way. And I mean, people still talk about them, and I know they played. I know they reunited maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, I think it was just a one-off and, or two-off, uh, right? Like, it, it was only a one-off or two-off. I don't think it was like, oh, we're going to tour, we're going to be a, a regular band again. No, no, I think it was definitely just, let's get together and, uh, you know, play some songs. And uh, I'm glad to see that they're doing that. But, um, yeah, they. I never got to see them. I wish I did. But, yeah, just uh, one of those bands that, I can always put in the album and just enjoy it as if the first time I ever heard it. Yeah. And I, I think too, what was cool about them too, like, like I, I know we were talking about music videos. That was the other thing, man. Like, like hats off um, and credit really has to be given to, to, to Rob um, bucket of the toasters just because like, you know, like he got this band they did a video. They, they even had this like, like video package. They called like the real ska real. Um, that was all like moon ska bands and, and, you know, Isaac green and the, and the ska flaws and toasters. They were of course all on, you know, this, this promotional video. It was, and you know, it, it allowed them to get leverage with touring and it really brought their music to like such a big audience. And, you know, I don't know if we would be at, I don't know if I would have heard half as many bands as I did, if it wasn't for moon ska. like, like they made that music accessible for everyone. So just thinking about a band like them, I don't know if they would have had uh, those opportunities to get their music heard by everyone if it wasn't for this label. No, I think that's what's great about Moonska. I honestly can't think of another label and a different genre 
where you could just take a just a regular band, you know, people that met in high school or uh, just just through classifieds, just like simple meetup, and then almost put them on a nationwide showcase. Yeah, and I think that's one of the cool things that Moonscale was able to do. No doubt, definitely. All right, let's move on to um, AJ. Let's. Which album did you want to go next with? So my second album, I kind of wanted to, to break the mold of what we've been doing. We picked a lot of kind of traditional-ish ska and reggae bands. And I had to throw it out there for all the ska punk kids. I know I talk a lot of trash about ska punk on the internet. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows me very well for that. But I, I wanted to call out one of my favorite ska punk albums from the mid-90s and just throw it out there, Mustard Plug. Mustard Plug was one of, the, one of those fun, just like catchy bands that played that fast style. And um, <clears throat> their only album on, actually on Moon was Big Daddy Multitude. And um, I think you had mentioned earlier, this album came out in 93, 94. I think it was like December, January. I can't remember the exact date. But it's, it is such a, a hit album in the Scott Funnel community where it was put out 12 different times afterwards. It's crazy. I, so, I never, I never realized that. That's a lot of times. Yeah, no, I, right. I know. It, it, so the original record came out like ninety three, ninety four. It was redone, repressed in ninety six, and then I think like uh, ninety nine, two thousand one, two thousand fourteen, and then like even like two years ago, it was just redone because it, it's one of those classic Scott Punk albums from that era, and um. It, <laughs> From a band coming from out of nowhere, Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm assuming, and I don't really know much about the area all that much, but like, there's probably no scene there in the 90s. <laughs> the scene up there didn't get big <laughs> until the late 90s. But those guys coming out there and just doing their thing, putting out, I think this, that was their second record uh, just ever. Moon giving them that chance, Moon giving them that, that platform. Yeah, they, they, they might be the. They're still around today. There's, I, th- I think they're probably going stronger now than they were back then. Yeah, it, yeah, and it, I think, like, I, and I think too, they're one of the biggest. Ba- they probably sold this album has probably sold more than any other Moonstyle album because of how many times it's been repressed and reissued, and I'm sure and, the it's been reissued on Hopeless and bigger indie labels, right? Yeah, and yeah. not to play the album, but like that's insane to me. Yeah, so this is repressed on Hopeless, and then after the layoff moon, all their stuff is on Hopeless. And if you know what Hopeless is, Hopeless put out a lot of like emo core stuff, and like that soft hardcore stuff. And like, yeah, they had some punk and I mean, they, they've had other kinds of like some regular like punk bands. And it's just I, I remember different. like the mid to late '90s, Hopeless was a pretty decent uh, like punk and uh, yeah. You can't see me. I'm making weird hand gestures of like. Eh. It was like fat. It was to me. To me, it was always like fat rack records mm-hmm. a little bit. And and I I don't. I'm sure both labels have changed a little bit now. Um, but yeah, let's play. Let's play a track off this. What, what track do you, do you want to so do first? This this is my favorite track off this album, and I will honestly say I listen to this probably twice a week when I'm cleaning at night. It's uh, Mr. Smiley. It just always gets me going and brings a smile to my face. I think we heard this four times last uh, when we had the bar. <laughs> like, yep, the last time you guys were over, I played this every time. Times. I think every time I've been over to AJ's house, this song plays at least once. I don't know. Yep. All right, let's play it, Mr. Hey. Smiley. Mm-hmm. 
the things you said to me. You always taught me right from wrong. remember having this song and this album on a on a cassette tape like a mix i i don't think i ever i don't know if i i don't think i had this album like i never bought a copy of it but someone gave me a tape of it and i played i played this song and this album countless times Mm -hmm. uh my probably my my sophomore year of high school right like one of the other reasons why i picked this album is like a lot of the stuff we've picked so far has been like east coast stuff like we're east coast guys that was the stuff we heard the most. And then Moon Sky did a lot of East Coast stuff. This for me was like this random band in the middle of the country, Michigan, small town, small ish town, Grand Rapids, them getting that platform. And then Moon did the same thing for a lot of other bands. In like yeah, the I mean, like the whole Midwest. Yeah, like the around, I mean, even like Kansas City, like, like all the Midwest, the Midwest mm-hmm. area, like blew up in that. There were ska bands in Wisconsin, there were ska bands. Like, you know, like even even some of the I'm trying to think of some of the big Midwest like ska scenes and ska bands. There were definitely bands and scenes out there. And and Muster Plug has always been like the band that was touring out there. And that was their like home turf, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you take away Chicago, like there's very few areas that people will give credit to. That's because people don't know about it. Like you said, Kansas City, even like Des Moines, like Iowa, like some of the Nebraska places had decent scenes. Oklahoma had some decent bands come out. Like well, those places I, where people don't talk about. You're from St. Louis. Would not? Like, would, would you consider that to be kind of Midwest? Yeah, it, it, it is. Free? And like I'm, I'm just saying, like we picked a lot of East Coast, West Coast stuff. Right, the Midwest yeah. is underappreciated, and that's why I wanted to give like a shout out that as well. You know, yeah. you're good. Let's let's play. What's the other song um, you want to play for this album? So, so the other one that I always just love because it, it's just a hilarious, fun, weird song is "Thigh High Now Lads." Yeah, I, I always like this one too.
Yeah, this this is such a fun album. Thanks for mm-hmm. uh, bringing this one. This one was a good pick. Yeah, I, I wanted to throw the, the Scott Punk love out there even though I talk a lot of trash. So. Yeah, and I, I don't know. To me, it's amazing. Mustard Plug is still out there, still doing stuff. Um, I, I know, right? Yeah. That takes, I mean, they keep, they keep finding like a new generation. Mm-hmm. To, uh, like, like picking up their albums. Yeah, 20 like, years strong now, pretty much. It's amazing. I feel, I feel like my daughter in 10 years is going to come up to me like, you should check out this band. Uh, I, th- I think you like this kind of music. <laughs> All right. So, so let's, let's move on. We have, we have a few more albums to get through. I don't even know if we're halfway done yet. Um, the album I wanted to go next was Skavubi and the Epitones, um, their album, uh, Fat Sound. And Skavubi was formed in 1994. Uh, this release was their debut album that was done in 95. And they were the band that was actually, they were kind of signed uh, to Moon in high school, or they started out as a high school band and then got signed to Moon Records, and they had to finish high school before releasing this album. And it was one of the fastest-selling albums of Moon Sky, which I thought was so cool. Um, and, you know, they kind of had, like, they were a ska band, but they, they had the big, big band feel to them. You know, they did some swing stuff, incorporated some kinds of jazz stuff, like, blistering like horn solos really fun instrumentals just but they were also goofy and i think that was like you know they were fun and goofy when you saw them live they were just like they would have the whole room moving and dancing um did any of you guys did any of you guys get a chance to see Skabuni and either of you i never them? got to see them that it's like that top five scabbing that i never got to see yeah, um, I just you know, I'm, I'm with AJ. Uh, I'm fully aware of them. I've heard their albums, but uh, for whatever reason, I just I kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's I'm, funny. I'm like, pretty- I, I've had opportunity, even like you know, uh, years like, recently. Like, hey, I could I could go up to this weekend real fast. I'm just like, you know, just, I, I can't. And it just things like now that like the world is in the perspective we're in now. You're like, damn, I wish I'd done that. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. It, for whatever reason, I just, it just, uh, I, I've either like something else was going on when, when there was a show, or uh, just for some reason they just kind of like flew by me. Even though yeah. they, they were one of the bands too. Like they had an, I think they were working on a live album. They were supposed to release uh, in a, in like two years ago, and I don't think it ever came out. So. There's stuff out there they have that they're going to release or reissue at some point. Um, so anyway, let's play. Uh, this is She Sure Can Cook from Scavivi and the Epitone's Fat Sounds album. <laughs>
Yeah, and just this song, this album, just man, like I don't know, they they were really unique and just really powerful live, and and you know all the recorded stuff is pretty awesome, um, but but you know like once again we're talking about New England, Boston ska, um, Skavuvi was was one of the bigger bands on Moon, and they they toured a lot um, with those big Moon like tour packages. You know they were the forefront of the label. Um, up there with with all those other bands and they were very young and they got to tour the world due to their albums on moon yeah no i i think they're one of the bands where i appreciate them more now than i did uh Mm -hmm. years past and you know i also kind of kicked myself for it uh i I just remember listening to them when i was younger and you know it could have just been that that day or uh something with them just didn't stick at that time and so I, I, I was just kind of like put them to the side a little bit. And I was like, you know, what? I'll, just, I'll, ch- I'll check them out later. Uh, they just weren't like they something didn't stick at the time. But looking back now, I was like, man, I fucked like, up. So, so this is why like Ryan and I sometimes have like mind melts because I'm like, yeah, you know what? Back then I, I wasn't like all all on board on it. I liked it, but it wasn't like. I'm going to pick this today. I, I have other options that I would do, but it's like the more I've evolved, the more music has changed in my life. And it's like, you know what? I respect this more, appreciate it more. And I regret not giving this the love I should have 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have another, another song I, I wanted to play on this album is, is Subway Joe, which is a cover of a Joe Baton song. Uh, a Boogaloo classic tune that Scott Vuby did. And like their, their version of this is pretty fucking awesome. Ah, uh, Mr. Conductor. Mr. Conductor, hey, what street is coming up next? it's a really fun cover and mm-hmm. it really makes the album for me. And just, just some other like fun facts about, about the band. Um, what, what, a, one of their members, uh, Daniel Neely, um, he played guitar in Skavuvi. He is, I have heard him on, um, he's been on horn pod. Um, 
he has a PhD. Um, Norm Pod. <laughs> he has a pin. Uh, he has a PhD and did a dis- his dissertation on Jamaican metal music. Um, and he actually played with the Jolly Boys, which is like a classic. He played banjo on one of their albums. And he's he's just he knows so much about calypso and, and mento and Jamaican folk music. Um, he's like an expert on that, and and that was due to his time like that he spent in Skavuvi and kind of pursued other things after the band broke up. And just and I think well I think he was in school while while the band was going, just trying to balance uh, the band and and school and just just really interesting dude. And and the singer Honest Purins, he's he's a great like cartoonist, and people are posting his cartoons. Um, he's he used to do a lot of work for that Skazine, Scottastrophe that was out there, um, but um, he, um, he he still does cartoons, um, and he he's an artist and, and does a lot of fun artistic things. Sometimes he'll throw in like some Scott cartoon um, stuff up on his like social media page, but yeah. But yeah, just some interesting facts about some of the members. But Fat Footing is like one of those albums you're not going to find it anywhere. It's out of print. Hasn't been reissued yet. It's not on Spotify. You have to find it on YouTube if you're lucky. <laughs> or I actually have, I still have my CD copy of this album. It still plays. So pretty lucky to have that. Yeah, they're one of those bands, uh, even though I kind of passed on it it's they were kind of like a, a must-have on the moon sky label like a, yeah. it, it should be in your collection for everyone especially into the sky music yeah so we're more than halfway done we have three more albums to to run through um before we wrap up the show today so let's let's go to your uh, last pick ryan all right yeah so uh my last pick was um easy big fella they were formed in 1991 from uh, Seattle. Um, the album is Eat at Joey's. Um, again, the reason why I picked this album is just because, uh, you, you know, I, I bought this record when it came out, uh, maybe a year at, or a year or two afterwards. It came out in 97. And I just love this record. It's got a very, it's, it's got like the production on it. I like a lot. It, they kind of mix a little bit of like doo-wop, ska, reggae, uh, and like a little bit of big band and uh, has like that little bit like crooner style to it, uh, which really represents that time and in that era. Yeah. And uh, the first track I picked out was, uh, what was the song called? Locked in the Chapel of Love. And you kind of hear like a little bit of the doo-wop vocals in the background. I always liked, I always liked the album art too on this, on this album too. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's got, it's got like that Vegas kind of uh, Rat Pack kind of style to it. Yeah. Okay, this is Locked in the Chapel of Love. Chapel of love. I'm locked in the chapel of love. 
this is it's a good track, man. Like uh, I, I dig this album. We ha- I think we had some. We all had some really good picks tonight. Yeah, this one, this this, um, this album was a lot of fun to kind of revisit. Uh, small little thing here, though. Oddly enough, the um, the uh, the keys player as well as the vocalist, uh, his name Mike Byronbaum. I was on Facebook earlier, and one of the uh, I guess Facebook pages I belong to, like Sky Music, uh, mentioned that it was his birthday today. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, I saw that too. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I was just like, hey, how about that? You know, uh, happy birthday if he's listening. But, uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Do, do you know how they got the, how did they get their name or do you know anything about their name? What it means? I had no idea. Do you know? No, I don't. I, I never knew much <laughs> about this. I never, I never, I never knew much about this band. Uh, I, I, I heard, I've heard some of their songs. Um, but they were kind of a band. I, I, I love the track you picked, but I, I don't really know much about yeah. them. I can't really speak. There's, I don't know too much about them. I, like, I know they, they still play from time to time. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I know he still plays in other bands as well. So, I mean, they're still very active. But um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think they have some sort of crazy story. I think it's yeah. just a bunch of guys that got together and just kind of... Uh, for me, it's just it's it's a great band from the Pacific Northwest, which is like an, an underrated area of good bands. I, I'm not gonna change the subject. But there's a lot of great bands that came from Washington, Oregon. What are you? Are you serious? Areas. What? What? Well, who came from Washington? Uh, you mean uh, you mean uh, Nirvana? You know Pearl Jam? Uh, uh, there's tons of bands. Okay, Seattle, Seattle's like Seattle's like. Music City, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to just keep it ska focused here, okay? There's been some <laughs> decent ska bands that have come out of there. Let's ignore Kurt Cobain and uh, Grunge. We're not wearing flannels here today. I, I get where AJ's coming from. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Seattle, the, you know, Portland. Yeah, there's there's tons of music scenes out there. Like, you know, the whole grunge stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't and, think well, we think I, 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 can, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think too, like, I, I, know, I know people that lived out in Portland and Seattle. And um, the, the reggae scene is, well, generation, maybe a generation ago was really big. Like, like, yeah. like, like they have a, a large number of, you know, um, Jamaican communities out there and just, you know, like, like, just like DC has like, you, you know, you go to DC to hear like reggae and there's like a reggae culture there because there's Jamaican people living there. Same thing with Portland. There are, mm-hmm. there are like groups and communities of Jamaican people out there. That's where I was trying to go. I'm not talking about grunge here, Bob. I know. I was giving you shit. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I wear enough flannel as it as it is, but it's not because I like grunge. That's my wife's job. We'll we'll save that for another episode, right? Yeah, yeah that can be another episode. Scott meets grunge, right? <laughs> yeah. Grunge dad. The, co- the connection. All right. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have enough hair to even be a part of that. Um, so let's. Let, what's the other track that you picked, uh, Ryan? Yeah, uh, the next track I picked is uh, "Come Back to Me." It's uh, you know it's a nice little love song. And uh, yeah, it's just got those nice soulful vocals to it. And uh, that's a lot. It's it's a pretty fun track.
too about this this album this band they they have their catalog up on our spotify so anyone can check them out if they want more music yeah but they uh they definitely kind of capture a lot of just 90s era ska sound of just what was going on uh that song had like i hate the term but it has that little bit of poppy reggae to it um, I kind of get that in the horn lines to some degree, but um, I don't think it's like overdone. But um, I definitely enjoy their songwriting as well. Yeah, was this the only album they had? Did they have a, another album, Moon, or is this just the only album? Uh, they do have another album. I, I can't remember if it's on Moon or not, but uh, hmm. I know it's, it's, it's called like Tasty Bits and Spicy Flicks, I think it was called. Huh. But I don't remember if that one was on uh, uh, Moon Scholar or not. Both of their albums were on Moon Scholar. Well, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I, <laughs> that was easy, big fella. All right, let's move on to uh, uh, AJ's last album. So I, I had to I had to go local. I had to go close to my heart. I, um, I know you all agree with me. Growing up in the D.C. Baltimore area, the biggest band, the most important band to us is, is the Pie Tasters. And they only had two albums on Moon, which is surprising with the connections they've had. But one of them was Ululu, which was a great album. I, I wanted to capture and talk about the spirit of the Pie Tasters. To me, they're one of the most fun bands to go see live. There's crowd interaction. Steve Jackson is always saying fun, crazy stuff. And this harkens back to the days of when they were younger and a little more crazy doing stuff. And this is also the heyday of some of the, uh, the, the scooter groups and DC Baltimore, the skinhead crews. And um, we'll shout out BSSC, but we'll ignore that for now. Those guys are, yeah. But Strapped Live is the album I picked. And it for me, like in this like 40 minutes of Fury captures the fun of the pie tasters, the craziness, the amazingness. And then it's also personally for me, it's like really important of when I was getting into Scott in 94, 95, 96 of an album that I heard and I was like, I hadn't seen this band yet. This is how fun and crazy they are. I, I really want to do this. And um, just having to, gotten to know those guys and even still seeing them, I think the last time we saw them was in December 19th. They're just as crazy and just as fun and just enjoying it. So I, I wanted to pick one of my favorite tracks from that album. It's a, a cover of a similar track called Must Catch a Train. And it features uh, Kaz Gardner, um, current or at that time, from the Checkered Cabs, who's done a lot, of, a lot of great music in D.C. And just it's an amazing cover and an amazing song. 
Yeah. And, 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 and this album too was at the black cat, right? Like this. I'll, I'll jump into that after the song. Man, I used to, I used to huff that acetone. I get a gallon of acetone. My name's Jasco. It's Jasco Cash. Come on, let's play a little love song. Hey Chuck, if you could find us some more beer, that would be wonderful. Kaz is such a great singer. I, I love the Checker Cabs. Yeah, even to this day, she's putting out amazing music. So, yeah, I think too. I think too. What's interesting about Moonska too, like there, there are a lot of like live albums they they, mm-hmm. they, they released. Like the Scofflaws had a live album, which is freaking awesome. I, I was thinking about adding that to my list, but since you had a live album, so yeah, I'm not gonna put that. But the Toasters. Um, I think anyone else. I think they had Toasters had two live albums. Yeah, I don't know if the CBGBs one was on Moon though. I think just the live in London was on Moon. I don't think the other ones were on Moon. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of like a point of thing though with Sky Music because a lot of these shows, a lot of these bands are such high energy, and it's sometimes kind of hard to capture that in the recordings. And when you use live albums, you know, you, you can really see that, or oh, I'm sorry, hear that. So that's one of my points I wanted to bring up now is there's a lot of bands that record really well, get produced really well, and put out really tight, amazing albums, and their live shows are not as good, or they're okay. There are some bands that put out good records, good albums, but they're just so much more hectic and crazy and, and better in person. Like, I love the Pie Tasters, I love all their albums, but seeing them in person, I would take over and do an album any day. But um, take, take a step back. So, so Bob, to your question. So there, there's, uh, there's about 16 tracks on, on this album. And you'll, you'll, if you listen to this album and you pay attention, you'll be able to understand the, 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 what I'm going to talk about now. So this was actually recorded over two different shows in late 1995. One of them was a local show in D.C. at the Black Cat. The second show was recorded at the Cat's Cradle in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is a legendary club down there. Um, If you listen to the albums, you see the songs that have intros where they're like shouting out people. Whether we just talked about, they're asking for beer. Those are the ones that were recorded in in, in the Black Cat. The ones where it's just like they're doing like factory and it's just like the fast, hectic songs. Those are the ones from Chapel Hill. So they 
picked and chose like the best songs from both recordings and made that album together. And like, I think they did a great job of capturing just the energy, the, the stage banter, the crowd. And then the, the last song that I want to play off of this is... Oh, hold on R- real quick yeah. too. I, I wanted to make a point. That's interesting, like the Cat's Cradle, because that triggered something I was listening to um, um, from another podcast, because uh, I, I've, I've mentioned this other podcast a few times, but Mark uh, Wasserman, the bass player from Bigger Thomas, is, is doing a book called Ska Boom. Mm-hmm. And, and on his podcast, he talked about there was, there was this album, a live album that was recorded in 1990 at the Cat's Club um, and it was going to be released on Moon Ska. It was called New York City Ska Live. And it was recorded at the same place as some of the Pie Taster songs are recorded. And it was, th- was going to be a, like a, a live like movie, just like Dance Craze. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was scrapped and never released. But Mark has a really good in-depth episode on his Ska Boom podcast where he goes and talks about it. Because it was right around like this Guns for Hire, like the third album by the toasters that was uh, they still had um, Sean and Lionel, the unity Two, like the, the original singers from the toasters. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was on the show. Bigger Thomas um, King um, Skinner box was on the show, the steadies, the Skadanks, and the scofflaws. So, and it was never like, you know, like it, that album was never released. It was thinking mm-hmm. you mentioned the cast cradle like that that album was going to be this big thing, this big thing for Moonscott that never, that never happened. So but this, uh, that, this album is fucking awesome though. Yeah. Like just to, to, to your point, like people like always think of like major hubs on the East coast, Chapel Hill in the nineties was huge. There was a huge sky reggae scene, a huge skinhead scene out there. Yeah. There was a um, big, a couple bands too out there that I can't think yeah, of. Yeah. Like, names, like, but. Uh, Patriot, one of the best American oi bands, was from Chapel. Yeah, but I want to say like Fighting Gravity. Even I think they played a lot in that area. And they were from Virginia. Um, they had some stuff on Moon, but there was like a really big like North Carolina like ska group. I I, I want to say maybe it was Fighting Gravity because they kind of shared. Um, some of the members were in Virginia, and some of the band members might have been in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So just one thing I just want to throw out there, just I was laughing when I was doing research, is like. Love the cat, cat's cradle. What's the uh, cat connection here? No one gets that's fine. Just I'll, I'll take that by myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I All thought right. I maybe had something to fill that in with, though. Yeah, I, I couldn't find a good joke, but I tried. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, um, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, well, real quick, too. Like, like I, I think, too, the, the pie, t- you, you talked about the pie tasters only having two albums on Moon. I mean, they they made a jump and they got money to put the albums out on Hellcat. They, yep. They, the Pie Tasters, um, Hepcat were the were the two first bands that that jumped off of Moon to to release albums. And I think the Slackers were like the last band to do that. Like listening to like some of their stuff recently, um, they've been kind of like re, you know, like retelling that story and that history. And they got you know they took some flack I think from Bucket for for going on to like greener pastures and and leaving moon Scott. but but moon Scott was able to like kind of like fill in the gaps that those bands left i think um at that yeah. time so what is when you just bring up the slackers going to, to hellcat it wasn't just the slackers it was vic getting a lot of other opportunities he was on the uh the 98 uh life and weight rancid album 
he was on a bunch of other like uh, Hellcat stuff that was done, like just playing keys. So again, we've always got to give Moon props for getting, giving these bands a platform, giving them like that promo, giving them out in people's eyes where some of the bigger labels were like, you know what, this is a viable band. Let's go after them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the music industry. And that's like, you know, bands have to do things to protect themselves and Mm -hmm. and give themselves opportunities. And you, you know, you're not going to get, you don't get two chances of things. You you only get one chance. Sometimes you got to jump at that chance. Um, What's the other track you wanted to play? So uh, I'm going to steal a page from the pie tasters. So I'm going to end my part of my albums by playing the album, the song that the Pie Chasers closed most of their sh- shows with. If you've been to one of the DC, you've seen me drunk on stage trying to sing along. Um, it's a cover of The Business. It's called Drinking and Driving. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And uh, it's just a fun song. So. I like when people try to do this chant now. It's like, yeah. it's really so. Well, because like everyone that's in BSSC is like 50 now. So. They're, in the they're, they're in the skinhead nursing home, right? Like, I know. Like skinhead I said, Retirement Club. I want all the skinheads right. in the audience. Anybody who knows the words of this song, please come on. Join along. Dean Middleton, get your Irish ass up here right now. Come on. Grab your beer in one hand, your car keys in the other, and then you go. Jake, 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 Jake! Yeah, and, that and this, song. Oh, sorry. No, this this song for me captures the hectic, frenetic stage show that is the Pie Tasters. Whether it was 1995 when they recorded this album, or a year and a half ago, almost or whatever the last time I saw them, it's the exact same. It's crazy. It's hectic, and it's fun. Yeah, has this album's never been uh, reissued or anything yet, right? So this was, I think, um, if I remember correctly, Jump Up reissued this on cassette two years ago. Maybe yeah, and, ago. and I guess it was also on the Pie Tasters, that anthology thing they had, the 1993 to 1996 thing, yes. right? Was it, yeah, yeah it, was, it was on that. I forgot that. Yeah, they, they had Pie Stomp. They had the first record. They had... Ululu, and then they had a live album. All of them, all like a yeah. This, this, this was the first uh, Pie Tasters album I bought. I think um, I saw them 
Well, I think it was their Baltimore release of the live album and picked it up the first time I saw them. And they opened up for the Boston's at like a medium sized venue before the, it was right as the Boston's were releasing um, let's face it. And they played like kind of like, like a, a venue comparable in size to like the auto bar, I guess. And uh, yeah, okay. it was a lot of fun. Like 96 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's All a great right, well, album. That, that's, that's my, my, uh, that's my uh, run through okay. and uh, love and affection for the pie taste and the pie tasters crew. So yeah, this is like a marathon tonight. We're like, all right, I'm going to finish my last album. And I think too, like this album, too. I know AJ, you were you wanted to pick this album too. Um, I wanted to end uh, the my picks tonight with just this awesome album from Doctor Ringding and the Senior All Stars. This is Dandemite, uh, which is interesting about this album. Um, it was originally released on Pork Pie Records in 1995, and then it was re re released on Moon Ska in the United States in 1997, and it was the first. U.S. release for Dr. Ringding and the Senior All-Stars. And it was just like, when you hear this album, you're like, holy shit, this is different. This is powerful. This, you know, this band was from Germany. Um, Dr. Ringding was playing in this other band uh, called El Basso and Die Ping Pongs. And in 1992 on Christmas Eve, he formed Dr. Ringding and the Senior All-Stars. Um, and they were they were together for 10 years and released like, three or four really good albums together. Um, and just, you know, Dr. Ringding, can't say enough about him. He he can sing, he can toast, he can play trombone, he can be a lounge singer, he can play like dance hall. He just does everything. Um, and his singing style, you know, he, he definitely takes a cue from like the traditional, like, like singers like Derek Morgan, Desmond Decker, but then he can toast like Yellow Man, like Beanie Man, like, Ninja Man, like, like, and him, and so some of the music he's made with uh, King Django um, is just amazing. And and this was my first introduction to Doctor Ringding and the Senior All Stars. And this album is just like it, it runs the game. It, it's an excellent album from start to finish. Yeah, like the thing I'll throw out about this, like something that I don't think most people know is, I think all but one song was either a cover or a rework of a song, and um, I think like. I think I told you like that medley of save a bed, save a toast. Just every time I hear it just kills me and I start dancing. Like I love that. And then if you ever get to meet Ringding, he's one of the nicest dudes in the world who's been doing this for 30 plus years and he still loves it. And he's just like a giant kid who loves the music more than anybody. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's very, he's doing a podcast and, and just, he's done some live performances over COVID and he's always, always has new music and different things he's working on. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, his last release was on jump up. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good song to kind of start with. This is a Justin Hines and the Domino's cover called save a bread. I'm going to play part of the beginning. I'll, I'll try to play part of the end too, because I think it's important to hear. This is my jam on this album. Yeah. Sadness, sister, you don't know. 
makes the world go round Round and round You'll never know You don't know So save a bread, mister Save it for the future And save a bread, sister Cause things will be better You know not the meat, nor the hour You know not the meat, nor the hour The time is now What you know, you know What you don't know, you don't know What you know, you know What you don't know, you don't know And then later in the song it just goes completely nuts and We don't know Yeah, Dr. Reading is awesome. And, and this album was just like so like... Um, it's like two different people. Yeah. Like you see the duality of his, his talent of like, he can do the amazing just ska reggae vocals and then like the, the chatting. With, uh, King Jenga, right? Is that how it goes, maybe? Say it again? No, I'll just make a bad joke. Like he's like the uh, the German version of King Django, you know. Yeah, I love yeah. Django, but yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna tip the scale on uh, on Ring Ding here. Sorry, Django, don't kill him. I, I'm just saying that they're both able to sing pretty smoothly. They both mm-hmm. toes, both and they both play oh. trombone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so, you know, on, like on that note, I'm gonna use this platform. I think I talked about this. Is if anyone can find me a copy of that Ring Ding Django Rocker T album? I'll pay you for it. I've been looking for it. It's not a it's not it's not a whole album. It's an album. Yes, it was. I swore it was. It's not I may be drinking, but I swore it was. I I don't trust you, Bob. Oh, I'm telling you. I have I can pull the album out now. I have it in my CD collection. Uh, it's called it's called Digging Up Dirt. It was on Jump Up Records, and it's and it's uh two songs. Um, but it's like a Dr. Ring Ding compilation. Look, I'll show you the track list. But you'll be like, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but it's 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 like uh, they only did two songs together from the session. Uh, I swear to God, it was like seven. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's got some unreleased tracks he knows about. Yeah, Jeff, I'm gonna hit you up. I need to figure this out. Yeah, after you insult him, hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I did not insult him. I love Jeff. Okay. I'm just saying. All right, like. You can't see the hands. It's like 1A11 and 1A112. They're both amazing. I'm, I'm going to disagree too with you, AJ, about something. <laughs> you, you said, uh, like this album, it, you said there was a lot of covers, but there were, there were a lot of originals on this album too, like like Big Man, <clears throat> Gloria. Uh, even, even the title track, Dandemite Ska, was an original track. And when you hear it, you're like, oh, this sounds like a modern day version of the skylights. Like Dandemite Sky is like the quintessential, like, um, like it sounds like the skylights in 2000 and whenever this was the, Oh, in, in not in the nineties when it was released. Like I said is, covers and reworks. 
So you take an original style. So like Phone Talk was a mix of like a, a Derek Morgan a, a song that he. No, it wasn't. Did. A, it, was, it wasn't a song. It was just a phone call. And he stole the idea <laughs> off something. So the Scottish song, Doctor Ringding. Because it's like I have an emergency case for Doctor Ringding. Okay, well he's Doctor Ringding. The case, the calls for him. I don't know. All right. Dan Oitska. Let's check this out. track I, I love this album uh mm-hmm. it still holds up today like a lot of the tracks uh still still parts of uh when dr ring ding plays live uh he still plays a lot of these tracks uh yeah this is a great album so, so many other songs too like big man and um you know um there are there are some other that one scotch one bourbon one beer cover um mm-hmm. yeah what a day just just a jumps around to a lot of different styles too it's a lot of traditional ska but also like some some of like the r&b uh stuff mixed in and um satellites-esque instrumentals uh right like yeah. the want me back the, the i know that that's an original of his and like that just gets me all like hyped up and worked up like i want to go i want to go like like evict someone or fight someone now so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i used to work in evictions years and years ago so so you, you want to go kick somebody out of their home right now? <laughs> well, there's, 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 not there, not there in Rona, but like we'll talk about it afterwards. Oh man, this is interesting. We should just let AJ talk and like see what he says. This is a lot of stuff. Hey, fisticuffs, bro, fisticuffs. All right. Well, let's let's get our final thoughts. Like, like we had a really long episode here on Moon Sky, and you know, I I don't know. To me, it's like man. I, it almost makes you want to do like three more episodes on Moon, just some of the other stuff we missed and didn't cover. Yeah. Well, because I mean, so that's the issue. Because you know, at the beginning, we we're just talking how we're just going to skim the top, and mm-hmm. we're not going to try to like dive too deep into anything. And even by just, like skimming, it's really hard to fit in because there, there's so much material and so much information that you know, even trying to. Scram something, uh, put something in for like an hour or two. Uh, we hardly even like dig into the surface. Yeah, and we and we've been doing this. We're almost we're at two and a half hours right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I know. I should have made myself a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, I, for me, like the big thing is like so. Moon Sky was there for almost twenty years. 
they had, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm saying close to 200 major uh, releases of every genre or subgenre of ska, reggae in America. And then not even just America, we talked about this, it's like they hit Europe, they hit Japan, they hit other places. And like, you can't pigeonhole anything about Moon Sky into a half hour discussion. You can't even scratch the surface with what we did. We picked, what, nine, 10 albums to talk about. I could pick another three that would be completely different of what they've done. And you can't ever downplay the importance of what Moon did for the scene in America, the scene around the world, of giving Ska that spotlight and that platform of having artists who were maybe nobodies in a small town and getting them out to the larger population and getting them big. Yeah, and even like, you know, 20 years after they folded up, there's new generations that are going back and just picking up these bands. And, you know, a lot of these bands haven't been around for so long, but uh, their names are still being passed around. Their records are still being played. And, you know, if it wasn't for Moon Scott, I don't think that would be happening. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us can kind of joke around about the label sometimes here and there, but uh, I, they're is a very important record label to have. And uh, I think it's kind of almost like a necessity that since they're gone, we needed them because it's, it's so cute of music alive today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and like they exposed so many different people all across the world to Scott and help build like local scenes and local communities up to foster like your, your local ska band. So it provided like, you know, it gave people access to the music and, and just everything they were doing. And, and you know, like they, they made mistakes, they made financial errors. And, and I think a lot of labels in that time did. They didn't know like all this music they were sending out to record stores were gonna get, I mean, was gonna get returned and not bought. Like no one yeah, knew. Like, yeah, Bob, to your point earlier, like they were ska bands creating a label for ska bands. They weren't professional music executives. They were doing this for the love of the music to increase visibility for the music. And like, I'll, I'll end this by saying like, where do you think you would be, or where do you think you would have been in the nineties without Moonska? Where do you think we'd be today without Moonska? Like personally, I think is I wouldn't have gotten into so many things as early as I could have. And maybe I wouldn't be in the same place without having access to all that, all those different varieties of music. No, definitely not. I definitely would think I have a lot more money. <laughs> Because I definitely would have like bought so many records and I uh, continue to do so. Yeah, I'd have all this Bitcoin. I had like, around. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like, all the I would have invested in Amazon in two thousand three or whatever. Yeah, I mean, no, even to this day, you, you know, like we'll go to a record store, and I think Bobby and I we did like uh, like two years ago. Uh, we're at a record store, and there was a Moon Scott comp, and they're like, oh, it's for sale. Let me just go ahead and buy it. And, you know, it's like, you're just buying just because I'm like, oh, it's just a Moonskull uh, record and uh, it's just one to add to the collection. I might not even play it for a year or two. Oh, or ever, like what happens in CDs yeah. in our house, it just gets put in the, the, in the basement with these like rows of shelves we have with just all the CDs we've collected over the last 20-ish years. And it's like, this is our entire youth. Now we're old. Like, this is like, hey, we're, we're the Scott dads now. So like, 
20 years ago, we weren't Scott dads. Now we are. And it's like this for me at our house, it's like, this is, we were young now we're Scott parents. So it is what it is. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait until we're Scott granddads. <laughs> oh God. Get <laughs> the discounts at Denny's like, you know, the AARP, uh, uh, already an AIRP member, and I eat dinner at six o'clock. So shh, don't tell anybody. You're rapidly aging. It's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I think it was great. I think it was uh, this was a good topic to touch on. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I wonder who suggested this topic. I don't remember. Yeah, so, so I'll throw it out to the listeners. It's like, all right, so you've heard us talk about a lot of things. What else do you guys want us to talk about? on the moon scott side who do you want us to talk to though yeah who who should we trash talk like we we have to maybe come up with a trash talk episode i was yep but uh yeah we have to trash talk you think we should just have like a trash talk like uh just one episode where we just trash talk on everybody (laughs) yeah yeah i'm okay with that (laughs) equal equal opportunity trash talk equal opportunity equal hate yeah yeah all right. Well, well, I think we're going to end today. Uh, we'll end it with uh, I think another toaster song. I think that would be, you know, like it all starts, it all ends and starts with the toasters. Uh, Hey, Bobby Bobson here. I just wanted to give a quick uh, correction about some information on the last episode. Um, I accidentally made a connection with uh, the gentleman that runs uh, the Moonscott Discography website. Uh, His name is John Pett, and Megalith's engine, uh, or the person behind Megalith uh, with Bucket, was Jeremy Patton. So I I got two of those guys mixed up on the last episode, wanted to correct it. Thank you guys so much for your support of the Scott Dads podcast. We've been having a blast doing these episodes, and uh, we've gotten great feedback from uh, the first episode about Moon Ska. Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you need to get in touch with us, make sure you reach out to us on our Instagram page, which is uh, Scott Dads Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for all your support. Uh, we'll be back very soon. Cheers. <laughs>